We take feeding our families seriously, and that includes our dogs too. So we're delighted to present today's episode ad-free in partnership with our friends at The Farmer's Dog. You can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. So we tried kibble, then he was having all those stomach problems. I did go through a little period of time of trying to make fresh food. I also made fresh food for like almost a year during That's the pandemic. A long time. It's a really long time. And I'm like, I want all those hours back now that I know about the <laughs> farmer's dog. I'm like, wait, this is essentially what I was doing. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Today's episode is a long-awaited listener's request to talk about how we feed our family dogs. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, despite our best efforts to keep them quiet and our producer Samantha's best edits, she is a master at it. You can definitely sometimes hear Ziggy, Daisy, and or Miles in the background of some episodes. And we thank you for your patience with them. (laughs) Because there's only so much we can do. I have, like, I feel really compelled to be like, it's rarely Miles. Miles is our elderly dog. And, like, it is more often than Ziggy Daisy. So, like, I'm fully placing the blame on her. (laughs) Okay. Miles gets a pass. He does. He does. Just, I mean, he's he's our old timers. I'm like, I gotta give him the most grace. Not to say he never does, but they just want to be part of the podcast. They do. They're part of our family life. They're also, let's admit it, they're both, like, so cute, but they're, like, energetic, a little bit annoying dogs. Yes. (laughs) So, they really do. Like, there's no other way to describe they're our family. Yeah. We love them and we also find them annoying. Completely. Wait, will you remind me how old Daisy is? I feel like Daisy's Daisy a year younger than Ziggy. Four. Oh no, Ziggy's four too. Yeah. Okay. I think we actually ended up adopting Daisy and Ziggy like right around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of right before the pandemic. It was. Right? So we always say, like, oh, Daisy's our pandemic puppy. She's weird, not weird with people, but she's more a dog dog than a person dog, whereas Miles is more of a person dog than a dog. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was just going to ask, like, do you think that the timing of when you adopted Daisy, like, impacted or did the or did COVID impact her personality? Because I think for sure with Ziggy. I do, too, for for Daisy. Yeah. And then I think of like Miles. We adopted him right when we first started living together, my partner and I. And then my brother came to live with us and he had a dog who ended up staying Mm. with us. And I think that their companionship made Miles less of a dog dog. Like they were friends, but when he lost Bear, it was like devastating to him. So we we joke like people will be like, oh, they're they're brother and sister because they're both hound mixes. Mm -hmm. So they're not even the same type of hound. They're very different body shape and composition. They're very different personalities. And people are like, oh, they're brother and sister. I'm like, no, they are not brother and sister. (laughs) They're like work colleagues. And like Miles (laughs) is the old timer. And he just tolerates Daisy, who's like the new kid in town. She would run the house's social media and he would be like (laughs) the marketing manager. And he's like, no, stop doing whatever you're doing. (laughs) I love this story. It's such a weird little analogy. But 
talk about how Ziggy came into your life because we very like impulsively adopted Daisy. I think it was like September of 2019. But you guys did a cool like rescue program. And yeah. so you knew for a while before you actually got Ziggy that you were adding a dog into your life. Yeah. So Mike and I, I grew up with dogs and cats. Uh, but when Mike and I first got together, instead of adopting a dog, which we considered, but we were both like living in New York working in offices. We were young. Like we went straight from work to like the bar basically and like, or to hang out, you know, we were out to like one o'clock and we'd go sleep and then we'd wake up real early and go to work again. And just having a dog didn't seem right for that moment. So we ended up adopting two cats. Both of the cats lived a very long time and they were around when Isaac was born. So Isaac's 16. They were around a long time. Clyde passed away pretty soon after Isaac was born. But then Lester lasted even longer. I think Oliver remembers. I should have him here. Lester was actually a female cat. We were told that Clyde and Lester were brothers. And then I remember calling back the rescue and being like, something Something's changed. (laughs) Something's changed with Clyde and has not changed in the same way with Lester. And they're like, oh, we made a mistake, a girl. And we never changed her name back. But I think Isaac might have been in third or fourth grade. And Oliver was like maybe in kindergarten or first grade when we had to put Lester down. She was very, very old. She had stopped eating. And it was very, very sad for them. Like they very much identified as like having a cat and Lester was their pet. Oliver used to write like early writing assignments, you know, in first grade, like about Lester. And he had these, like all these like imagination, like he told all these stories about like me and her were playing tag. We're like, Lester's scared of everything and hides under the bed. I don't think so, but whatever. (laughs) So we knew like we needed another pet, but we were all pretty sad and it took a while. And Mike was really, really scared to get a dog. He was like, yeah, I know it's going to be my responsibility. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like it hundred percent will be. I take care of the humans. I'm already maxed out. So it took a really long time for him to agree to it. But I'm going to be honest, like Oliver had a little bit of a rough patch in third grade and was having like a lot of emotional outbursts when he would get upset. And it was stuff that was only happening at home and his relationship, the like sibling, sibling rivalry was really high at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that finally convinced Mike that he was willing to take it on is I was like, I, we really agreed that having a dog would be special for Oliver. Yeah. Like Oliver needed, <laughs> he needed like a, his, a best friend at home. Like yeah. he needed someone to calm him down. He needed someone to take care of. And it totally worked. Like in a lot of ways, Ziggy was an emotional support dog for him very unofficially. Right. And very casually through like a little bit of a rough patch. So it was around October 2019 and he is a Kanuku. I thought Kanuku was a term that the locals on Aruba called the stray dogs. But now I've learned more about it and it seems that Kanukus are actually a breed that developed on the island. So there's a rescue in New York. You know, at the time, it was like impossible. I knew so many people adopting dogs. I think it was just our kids' age. And like people would go to rescue events and get attached to dogs, and then they'd be like snatched up like everything else in New York, high demand, right? 
And like I kids were getting disappointed. And my friend wrote and was like, I found this little rescue that's doing this work where they're just working with one rescue organization and vet on the island of Aruba and raising enough money to bring dogs one by one to the States. And like we went, we met Ziggy and I think his name was Prince William when we first, it was Prince William and Prince Harry. He had a brother. Oh, and the funny story that my kids like to tell is that Mike and I really liked the other one. Like we thought the other one was the cuter one of the two. And the boys were like, no, for sure, for sure. Like Ziggy's the one. And I was like, I don't know. And Mike and I almost <laughs> overrode their, deci- yeah. their decision. But like months and months later, our rescue put us in touch with Ziggy's brother's family. And we got pictures of them grown up. And the kids were like, oh, no way. That other dog is not nearly as cute. <laughs> We were so right. And I was like, oh, man, you're right. Like, Ziggy turned out to be the cuter dog. No bias detected. No bias. But Ziggy, I think Ziggy changed during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Ziggy had a lot of, because it's hard to say, though, because with a rescue history, it's hard to know, like, the sort of, I don't know if I'm really using the right term, but the epigenetic like trauma that comes from being a street dog and like generations of street dogs. So we thought he had parvo at one point. He didn't, but like a lot of stomach problems. We eliminated chicken from his diet very early on. We still have never reincorporated it, but like a lot of diarrhea, like a lot of just digestive issues. Yeah. And then also with the pandemic, a lot of um, territorial anxiety. Right, because he was not used to having people in the house. Yep. And so then when people were in the house, it was kind of upsetting to his routine. Yeah, and I think he got, like, super attached to Mike. Yeah. Because Mike is his primary caretaker. Mike is his alpha. And now, like, Mike is around all the time. So I don't think he gets any breaks where he gets to just fully relax and not feel like he's on duty. Duty. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the same kind of thing that happened with Daisy? No, she's just more like thinks everybody is there to see her. So she's like very obnoxious <laughs> in that way. How does this obnoxious behavior manifest? It manifests as like for a long time she would jump. And I think it's mm, worth yeah. like try to jump up on people. And I think it's worth noting that she's like a big dog. How she's many pounds o- is she? Over 100 pounds. Oh, I didn't and realize she's she was like big now. tall and long. Like if she gets up on her hind legs, she can put her paws on my shoulder and like be face to face ish. <laughs> so she's like at least 5'1" okay, standing on her hind legs. Crazy. It is crazy. She doesn't it's not aggressive. She's not trying to like bite anyone's face. We've noticed she loves if you'll get down on her level, she won't jump and let her smell your mouth. She yeah. wants to know you that way. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like, if we're trying to, like, sit around the table with our friends and, like, have drinks or play games, if she's in a playful mood, she tries to get in on it, too, and she'll, like, tug at our yeah. arms or tug at guests' arms. Ziggy does this. And, like, wants to play. Yeah. Which is nice, like... It's nice and it's sweet. And the, the like, neighbors that come over regularly and are very best friends, they understand and know her. But, like, occasionally we'll have new people into the house who didn't realize how big she was, one. So they're, they're already like, oh, my God. She has a very deep bark because she's half Walker Hound and half Great Pyrenees. So it's, like, a very deep bark. 
So I think it can sometimes be intimidating when she's like, come and play with me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Yes. Yes. And then Miles is like, he will go away. He's like, I'm going to just chill and do my own thing. I think also part of that is his age, too. He's 14, over 14 Mm -hmm. now. So he just doesn't really tolerate a lot of like, not like in an aggressive way, but he's like, I'm just out. It's too much movement. Yeah. But I will share that much like Ziggy, we adopted Miles from the Atlanta Humane Society and he was like four months old and had been been like on the streets of Atlanta and then brought into the Humane Society. And so he has long had some idiosyncrasies of like he does not like paper plastic bags ruffled near him. Yeah. He doesn't want tight tight spaces even if there's like a walkway in through the kitchen that he could go through he'll opt to go around instead because he doesn't want to be in a confined space in any capacity but both of them are like very sweet loving dogs and i'm the prime i'm the alpha which is like a very funny thing do your kids run into this like emmett will be like i think Daisy loves me the most and oh, Miles yeah. loves you the most. And I'm like, straight up, they're both obsessed with me. Like, they love me the most. So, so sorry. I'm definitely an alpha to Ziggy, but I'm, I, because I do feed him a lot of the time. Yep. I I don't walk him the most, yeah. for sure. Like, Mike is main walker and the boys do a lot of the walking because they're older. But like, Ziggy doesn't take the boy seriously. Let's be real. The funny thing is that Ziggy seems more obsessed with Mike than with me, but Ziggy has gotten loose in the country a couple of times. And like, if Mike goes up to him, he runs from Mike. Interesting. And I think it's just a calmness. Like if Ziggy gets loose, everyone's like, Get mom out there real quick with a bully stick. Like I go and like he sees me and I'll get down on my knees and be like, hey, oh my God, you got loot. Like, "Ah, yeah, come on. And he comes bounding right into my arms and like I can get him back. I just think the problem at home is that he sees me a little bit more as like alpha, but more playful. Yeah. Whereas Mike is like more serious. More, much more serious. Yeah. Yeah. So like that. So he will nip at my ass. I am not kidding. That's his favorite thing. He has like a witching hour, like right around dinner time, where what like Daisy does with your guests, Siggy does with us like every night. It's so annoying. Yeah. And he'll talk to us. So he, it's annoying because he barks. But he's like, play with me, play with me. Guys. Hello. Hey, what's up? Huh, play with me. And like he knows Mike's going to ignore him, but he like comes up behind me and he just like the little front of his teeth. Like he knows he's not, he doesn't want to hurt me, but he's like, mom, because he knows you'll give in. (laughs) It's very cute, but very annoying. I want to tell you a sweet little story about when we adopted Daisy. And I think it's a perfect segue into talking about how we feed our dogs, which is Daisy was part of a litter that had come off a farm in Idaho. We were living in Boise at the time. And she was with her whole little, little litter at the rescue place that we adopted her from. And we had the same thing where we like took, we were playing with two of the puppies and we were trying to decide like which puppy was coming home with us. Mm -hmm. I have video from the very first time we saw Daisy where she winked at us. Like, not on purpose, obviously, because she's a puppy. But the guy running the rescue thing was like, 
uh, just so you know, she's the hungriest of the bunch. <laughs> That's hilarious. And Brian was like, that's it. Signed, sealed, delivered. Like, of course, Megan wants the puppy dog that, that identifies as the hungry <laughs> and like the most food obsessed. Like, that's, that's her dog right there. And that's I how Daisy that came home with so us. Much. Okay, so Daisy's big. Daisy's big. Daisy's hungry. Does Daisy eat a lot? She does eat a lot. And we have a we had a routine established like for Miles. Miles has always been a great eater too. Like never neither of them is like really finicky. But although Miles has gotten really different in the last like two years as he's like in the decline of his in his aging, right? So I would say Daisy eats almost twice as much as Miles, like volume wise. And and how big is how big is Miles right now? Miles is like 60-ish pounds. Okay. So just a little tiny bit bigger than Ziggy. Yes. Okay. And like not excuse me, he's like not as tall as mm-hmm. um Daisy. And he's a red bone coonhound, which they tend to be thinner bodied or like more narrow bodied in general. So it's been interesting because when he was really little, people would be like, oh my gosh, are you feeding your dog enough? And we'd be like, no, we're feeding him all the time. And his body composition doesn't change. Um, And one of the reasons that we've really been happy, like using the farmer's dog and doing fresh food is that as he's aging and is like the composition of his mouth is changing and he, he was struggling for a while, like to keep his normal weight, like he was losing weight. Mm-hmm. And switching to fresh food has been the one thing that has made the biggest difference That's in like amazing. him gaining a little bit more weight and maintaining that weight consistently now. Yeah, and he's had some dental problems, right? Yeah, I mean, he's just like, he had a tumor in his mouth that we had removed last year and a couple of teeth pulled around that same time. And we have to continue to monitor for the tumor to return. Got it. But like our routine is the dogs eat breakfast in the morning usually not like while we're you know breakfast is running and gunning in our house especially during the school year even during the summer really everyone's kind of like at different times so we try to feed them like first thing in the morning when we're making lunches doing breakfast during the school year or same thing in the summer and then they get walked after breakfast and we but we do feed them alongside ourselves when we have dinner time like at dinner time and the Brian and the kids are responsible for like filling their bowls, filling their water, putting their food out because I'm cooking dinner. So it's like the pre the preamble to dinner is like, okay, let's get Miles and Daisy taken care of. Um, And then, they, of course, like they get treats throughout the day. Miles right now is on this thing where he wakes us up in the middle of the night. Mm, That's super cool. To go to the bathroom. But Brian has this theory that he just gets hungry in the middle of the night. So he knows if he nudges us because he he says he needs to go to the bathroom. And he goes to the bathroom. But he will just get a treat. And so he's like, if I wake them up, I I will get a treat. (laughs) His appetite is back. In general, are your dogs food motivated? Miles is not. Okay. Miles has never been. But Daisy is. Yeah, Ziggy yes. is highly food motivated. In fact, he can be a little bit of a defiant dog. Like, he he won't do the opposite, but, you know, if he if something is happening, he wants to play, and you're like, come, or some command that he absolutely a thousand percent knows, has been trained, knows he'll get a treat, he's like, mm, 
want. Like if he doesn't want to, he just looks at you and he looks to the side. Like he just looks off like, I hear you, but I'm going to pretend like I don't. <laughs> and he just won't like, come. I could do this a lot faster if you yes. gave me a treat. Well, 100%. You pull out a bully stick and he comes so fast. Sometimes if you pull out a bully stick, he'll run up to you and sit and lay down and then like sit up again. He and does he's like, the whole yeah. sequence. <laughs> He's like, I know all the tricks. What? What do you need me to do? I'm going to do it. <laughs> so he has always been highly food motivated, but with this sensitive tummy that's really been a problem yeah. since he was young. So we tried the farmer's dog way back when. Like he's been on fresh food for a long time because first of all, when you need to eliminate poultry. I think it's just chicken. And actually, like, who knows? We could probably test it. We just haven't bothered because he's happy. But when you need to eliminate poultry, it's really, really hard. A lot of dog foods, even if they're like kibble or even wet foods, if they have treats are another one that's really hard to avoid poultry. So like, we just felt like this is so hard we literally have to go to the pet store and look at the ingredient list because even, you know, a kibble that's described as beef may have chicken byproducts in it. Right. So then, like, we were experimenting with some kibble and, like, combining the two because kibble can be good for dental health for right. young dogs. It just became, like, too much. I just felt like I want to go onto a website. <laughs> I want to be, like, no chicken in any of the food. I want it to be pre-portioned because he's so food motivated. He's had a little bit of weight fluctuation over the years. (laughs) As we all have. Yes. Hey, listen, (laughs) can relate. So it's just so easy to do fresh food for Ziggy. It's like, I know he likes these flavors. I know they're safe. They're healthy. He likes it. It's delivered to the door and I don't have to check labels and it's pre-portioned. And here you go, dude. I know you're still hungry, but you're going to have to wait till dinner. And we have a very similar routine too. Like early in the morning, like around eight o'clock in the morning is breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then dinner is around when we eat too, like 7 p.m. I like that routine. It feels nice to like have them eat dinner with us. And it it does sometimes provide the most quiet of the day. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like we do it strategically because otherwise he'll like bark at us and want to play because he's like, hey, you're you're all together. Great. Yeah. Time to play. (laughs) So you only did kibble for a little or like dry food for a little bit of time. Yeah. A little bit of time when you first got Ziggy. Yeah. When we were trying to figure it out, like. I hadn't been a dog owner since not having my parents around. Yeah. Like a sole, like a responsible adult dog owner. So we tried kibble. Then he was having all those stomach problems. I did go through a little period of time of trying to make fresh food. I also <laughs> made fresh food for like almost a year <gasps> during the such pandemic. A long time. It's a really long time. And I'm like, I want all those hours back now that I know about the <laughs> farmer's dog. I'm like, wait, this is essentially what I was doing. Once a week, I was making a big pot of yes. food for them. Why did and then you do it? Pre-portioning it, freezing it, and then like just pulling out what we needed for a couple of days at a time. There's a company that does that. <laughs> yeah. Duh. <laughs> I think at the time I thought we couldn't afford it. Yeah. But I've actually done the math and it is 
cheaper for us to do the farmer's dog than it was when we were making homemade food and like having to make it every week and buy the deli containers to store it in and all that stuff. And I think we like about break even from the time period where we were doing dry food, a combination of dry food and like a wet topper. Yep. Um, So really, we started doing it because Miles reached being about 10 years old and we started to see him having a few more health issues. He was like, especially in Idaho, he was dry and itchy a lot and he was having weight, weight loss and not weight gain, like even if we were giving him lots of treats. And so um, our vet at the time supported us trying the homemade food. But I think there was always a concern that that wasn't supporting him either. And then now that we've been in Chattanooga, like really we started the farmer's dog because our vet was like, it was post him having the tumor in his mouth and having to eat soft food anyways, was like, you know, it might just be really good for Miles if you can put him on a fresh food diet and keep him on a fresh food diet. The other reason being, not that we've like, changed his food a bunch over the course of his life or Daisy's food a bunch over the course of his life. But like you can't just decide today that you want to switch to fresh food and like give them a full fresh food diet. You have to transition them and like incorporate their old food and their new food together so that they don't get those digestion issues. And one thing is that one thing I really appreciated about the farmer's dog is like the first box that they send you, they send you a like transition guide for both dogs. I mean, I know you just have Ziggy, so it's probably just the one sheet, but like for each dog, it gave us like an idea of how much of their original food and their new farmer's dog food to put in each serving. And it's one of the few times that we've transitioned food and there hasn't been any digestional disruption at all. Yeah. Which I consider a big win. Yeah, totally. It's so, so helpful. And especially for a dog like Ziggy, because even just adding a one new ingredient sometimes can change everything for him. Yeah. You know, if we wanted to try chicken again, like we would have to go through that transition process and it is kind of a pain in the butt. So like just having a guide that tells you exactly how it happens is really great. Um, I want to go back to the cost for a second too, because I think something that's interesting about when you try to make fresh food for your dog at home, I'm sure there are people out there who are very intentional about like okay, I'm going to buy these ingredients and this, and this is the dog food and this is my food. But for me, like the very short period of time that I was doing it, I was just like, oh, I'm buying chicken. I'm going to buy a little extra chicken. Like I wasn't being thoughtful and buying like, or turkey necks or something, you know what I mean? Like a little bit more work, but a little bit more affordable that it makes a little bit more sense to make dog food out of. Like, like I was using our expensive food (laughs) that like I I could be feeding my kids. And so that really makes a difference too, because you're not, it's not effective. Whereas like a company like the farmer's dog has the purpose, like they're still using good cuts, but it's like with a purpose, it's an intention. Like that's what they're making. And they're using the fact that they're making food in bulk. It's cost effective in a way that it was not for me. I do think a lot of homemade dog food recipes really hit the like macronutrients Mm -hmm. like making sure they're getting enough um, protein, enough carbohydrates and some fiber. 
but it's real. It's much more another layer of work to make sure that they're getting the micronutrients. Yes. Like maybe you should be incorporating some beef liver yep, into what you're making, totally. and then you have to source beef liver and like what's the quality of it. Yep. So it does become expensive to make stuff at home and lentils and sweet potato and spinach that's the other thing i was gonna say is what i got to a point in the year of making food with the dogs where i was like i can't think about this i can't (laughs) think about like more variety for them i'm trying to get variety i'm trying to get my kids to eat more vegetables and i love like opening up the farmer's dog and seeing like there's real sweet potato in there or like real carrot there's lentils and like i would never have even thought about incorporating that because I was so like just trying to get it all done totally on my own. Um, okay. So listen, we're obviously, I mean, we're feeding our own dogs, fresh food. So we've made decisions, but all of the food that we talk about, (laughs) including the human food, fed is best. Fed is best. Dogs or your children. There's no judgment here. Can we, I'd like to quickly talk through just like the considerations yes. when you're deciding what kind of food is best for you. And I also want to remind people that you d- it doesn't have to be all or nothing. A lot of vets are like combined stuff. So you can do that. You know, you can combine kibble and fresh food or wet food and fresh, whatever makes sense. But the general categories are like your dog's health, Right. So that includes their health profile, like how old they are. But if they have any health issues, like do they have eczema? Do they have dental problems? Their appetite and what they'll eat. Some dogs are more finicky than others. Ziggy is food motivated. And if you give Ziggy a bowl of kibble, like in a pinch, he'll like give you side eye and eat it. And he'll be like, fine, I'll eat it. But don't do this again. Like he's not into it. Budget is a big one. Is there anything else that you can think of that's an important consideration? I think storage is something yeah, to consider too, right? Mm-hmm. Like we would get the big bags of kibble in our tiny Boise house and be like, where are we going to put this? Totally. Totally. Yes. And general convenience, right? That yeah. plays in convenience too. Yes. And some like general health considerations, like we're not going to talk about that because we're not a vet and it's really so personal, but I do think that the research shows a couple of things. One is that weight is a really big factor for dogs, right? <laughs> like, is there diet culture for dogs? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even want to step in that. I'm just joking. But also, I think the difference here is too, right? Like a dog can't tell you, hey, I'm also having like muscle pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like an like a human who might go in and have someone be like, oh, this is about your weight. They can be like, but actually I'm having these other symptoms. Do you know what I can't tell you? I love that you took my joke seriously. I do. I was like, it was a joke, but there was a part of my mind where I was like, no, really, is there diet culture? (laughs) If there's no other way we can indicate health or communicate health, I don't think that weight is a bad earmark. And like, we say weight, but one of the vets we worked with really talked about like body composition. Yes, totally. Rather than just like, oh, is Miles 60 pounds or over like he should be? It's also like when you look at him from above, like is his profile yep, totally pretty filled out? And or is like he having a distended belly? Because that might be a sign that he's having digestional problems. Like, yeah. Can we see his ribs? Does he have a a thick and healthy coat. So there is some stuff where it's like, it is about appearance. 
Weight is one factor in guiding how yeah. we look at our dog's health. Yes. And I will say that some research, take it with a grain of salt, but some research says that, you know, maintaining, helping your dog maintain a healthy weight and whatever, however that's indicated, that's between you and your vet, can actually increase their lifespan by as much as two and a half years. It's a lot. It can be a lot because also like their joints, like there's a lot, they're built differently than us. So it's just an important indicator. Okay. So let's just do like quick overview because obviously we are like big fans of the farmer's dog, but we do want to just like overview like, hey, these are the benefits of of the other feeds that exist in the world. So you mentioned kibble, which um, is budget friendly. It has like a slightly longer storage than if you were doing fresh food because you and you can store it in your pantry. Um, It is good for dental health, which I think is a lot of why it gets recommended for puppies, especially. It has the convenience of like it's dry. You can take it everywhere. All of those things like you just scoop it from the bag or scoop it from the container. Yep. I do think it has less appeal for some dogs. And this is like something that I have not fully thought out, but like variety, like I said about the homemade food, like when you're giving your dog the same kibble every single day for every single meal, do they not just get bored? I don't know. I I think they do. Am I am I like (laughs) transmuting something onto my dogs? Like I would get bored. Yeah, totally. Yes. So there's that. Like you're getting less variety probably from a macro and micronutrient standpoint too, but you're meeting all their needs. So great for that. Yes. Wet food has a higher water content that can be healthy for dogs. Hydrating. Hydrating. We love hydrating foods. They tend to be a little bit more protein rich. I'm not, you know, there's no rules for across the board. There are so many options out there right now. But wet food does tend to be a little bit more protein rich. This can be ideal for really active dogs, for younger dogs. And higher quality canned foods, although not all of them. So again, just be on the lookout, have fewer carbs. And so dogs are omnivores. We all know that they're like us though loading up on carbs isn't super great for your health like to just have a super carb heavy diet like protein 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 everybody's obsessed with protein even for our dogs <laughs> um and a watch out for wet food is also to look for added sugar because that oh, can be worse no idea yeah, some have yeah. added sugar and that can be not great for them and also not great for their teeth okay and then Fresh food. Do you think of there being like two categories of fresh food? There's like homemade fresh food and then fresh food that you can buy like the farmer's dog. I mean, yes, when you say it that way, although I tried making fresh food for a little while and that is off the list for me. So I don't think about it much. Yeah. So maybe it's more like (laughs) homemade food, right? We talked about it a little bit. It is like there are lots of reasons to do it. It may be more expensive than either of the other two options. It's way less convenient. It does require you to do a lot more hands-on work. Um, but the benefits might be that you get more control over what you're feeding your dog. And I do think it might be specifically helpful if your dog has some like acute disorder and they need very specific food fed to them. Yeah. And I do think that when it comes to homemade food, you already 
mention this, but I want to hit the nail on the head one more time because dogs really, they are omnivores and they really do need a lot of macro and micronutrients. So grains, veggies, legumes, fruit, you know, we said protein rich is important, but just like us, they do need a balance too. And I, I think that can be hard when you're DIYing fresh food. Yes. Yes. You know, it's just hard to hit all those points. And if you don't want to think about it, that's why a product like the Farmer's Dog is so, so helpful. Yeah. So we didn't talk about this, but when you do sign up for for Farmer's Dog, you fill out a questionnaire about each of your dogs um, and you can talk about like what they currently are eating and how that's going. You talk about their behavior in general. You talk about any health concerns, their age, their current weight, if they're currently underweight or on weight or overweight. And then they take all that data and make feeding recommendations based on your specific dog. Yeah. Which I just think is like incredibly cool. So like when we were making homemade food, I was making the same thing for Daisy as I was for Miles. Yep. And now that they get the farmer's dog, they have some like similar flavor profiles but Daisy has her two packs a day and Miles has his one pack a day and they're definitely different portions and they're both getting a little bit more variety too based on their specific needs. I want to talk a little bit about things to watch out for, but I also, again, grain of salt. Like we did research and we pulled points that we thought made sense that came from a vet and not from any brand in particular. So just that you guys can have like a sense of what your parameters are. It's just like, you know, it's just like our philosophy when it comes to feeding kids. We have opinions. We make choices. We love the choices we make and like to tell you why we've made them in case that's helpful to you. But at the end of the day, we just want you to know the parameters so that you can go off and make the choice that makes sense for you and for your family and for your dog in this case. So one thing to look out for, this is like really specific, but I'm very sensitive to it because of Ziggy, that you might want the product, you, the food, the dog food you choose to list specific meats. So you wanted to say like chicken and or turkey, not just poultry, which can include both, because if the company doesn't list the type of meat specifically, they might just change what's in the formulation within the parameters of what they list. So poultry can mean chicken or turkey, and it could just depend on what sourcing is available to them, what's cheapest on the market at the time when they're producing the food. So, you know, for us, it was really important to avoid chicken specifically. And even just that switch is challenging for dogs who do have sensitive stomachs. Like even if your dog you don't doesn't doesn't have a known allergy, like the switch from chicken yeah. to turkey week to week might be hard on them. Totally. And then a lot of the other guidelines that vets talk about really reminded us very much of how doctors talk about how to feed kids, which was a really funny experience because I think that we've become so sophisticated as a culture. And like, you know, there's all these conversations about diet culture. Like we're always really careful about what we say and what the quote unquote experts say, because we're like, you know, we know that pediatricians, for example, are trained in a problematic system. So I'm not trying to undermine at all what they say. I'm a full science believer here. But, you know, we understand that there's like cultural stuff at play. But when we were reading the stuff that the vets said about the dogs, I was like, yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a lot like what you hear normally. Like, 
avoiding byproducts, avoiding preservatives. Like what else did we come across? You mentioned the sugar thing, like artificial sweeteners or colors or dyes like sometimes can be added looking for things like uh probiotics or joint supplements if that's something your dog needs so i think that the real takeaway for me and megan i'm curious if you felt the same after looking at our research that it's really just what feels right to you yes you know what i mean like if you have the budget and you're someone who avoids preservatives in your kid's food, then that might be something that you care about and take super seriously and you'll look at in your dog's food. Right. I think like any, like any topic we talk about feeding our families, this includes feeding our dogs. It's like the trifecta of like your budget. Yes. Your values around food and also your time slash what is convenient for you. Yes. For me, like having the food delivered and not having to think about it is actually even more important than like how it aligns with my food values, right? Like totally. That is a big consideration. And then also like making sure it fits in our budget. Totally. It's totally the same for us. And I would say that, you know, Mike and I just always often feel kind of maxed out. And like what time we have, what time and energy we have, we really want to like pour back into just like having some fun and spending time with each other. And especially because Mike, because I'm like a super high energy person. So I always think like, well, I have more, I have more, I can do more. Mike's like, no, like that's it. Like they're going to ship it straight to my door. Farmer's dog, let's do this. Like we're we're (laughs) customers for life. So the convenience is really a huge one in my house. Yeah. Can we talk just real quickly, because if you're going to have frozen food to feed your family, that the one of the biggest things you shared with me about like how to do it, because we were running into this thing where we would have it in the freezer and it wasn't getting pulled out mm-hmm. with enough time to thaw. Take, like the packets take like generally like 12 hours to thaw in the fridge. You can run them underwater, like yes. cool water to defrost them. But that can be inconvenient. And like we want to use the convenience of the farmer's dog to its full capacity. So one of the things you taught me was sort of like um, pulling out four days worth of food at one time, whether it's like the beginning of the week or the first time that you are like at full capacity with the farmer's dog, like your dog's fully transitioned, pulling out four packets or four days worth. Because for Daisy and Miles, four days worth is actually, actually four packets. So that's four two packets. days two, worth only for days. Ziggy. Okay. Yeah. But yes, you have two dogs. It's different. It's three packets per day for the two that Got are it. two dogs. Mm-hmm. So we actually end up pulling 12. And then those thaw. And anytime we feed, like at the end of the day, like while we're cleaning up the kitchen is now our routine. I just pull out another day's worth. So it's not tomorrow's food. Yep. It's like if, you know, if this is Monday, it's Thursday's food that's getting pulled out. So we've ne- in now in two months, we haven't had to do the like running water thaw because we just use that routine. And those fridge bins, those like they're made specifically, they're clear, are perfect for the yeah, farmer's dog totally. packets because they're like kind of narrow and they hold the packets upright, which is really nice. Yeah, that is really nice. I need some of those. We used to pull out day by day, but then when sometimes Mike moves a little quickly 
end in the morning, like before his coffee kicks in, like he can be a little scattered. And then we kept running into a problem where it was like, oh, we have to thaw or there isn't any thawed. So I was like, why are we just doing this day by day? Like it'll stay good in the fridge for a couple of days. Yeah. So now that we have this routine going, it's perfect. Yes. The other thing I love too is you can set the the cadence of the delivery. Yes. So like if you, I think we currently have about two weeks worth of food in our freezer. So we are getting a package every other week and still having sort of like a backlog, which is really great. But you could set it like if you don't have a lot of freezer space, you could be like, I want my delivery once a week. And so you're just like only getting in what you have room to thaw yeah. in your fridge. Um, and I find that really, really helpful yeah. for a spa- from a space standpoint. But I do think the bins are a really good call out because that's super helpful for saving space because it can be like the freezer, I think, can be like hard for people to wrap their head around. But once you have the right system for it, it's easy breezy. Can I also just share that my kids are more inclined to feed the dogs now that we're doing the yes. farmer's dog? There was something about when we used to do dry food with a topper that they thought was gross there that's them they said that i don't think that's gross it's not a judgment they uh, maybe the smell of it so they wouldn't want to do it but the farmer's dog they just like you just scissor off the top of the package and literally like turn it over squeeze the sides and it slips right out into the bowl and then they can just use they use a fork to like break it up i mean they think it's cool it's human grade food and it looks like you can see pieces of spinach and peas and sweet potato so that totally makes sense to me it's different than wet dog food like it just has a different consistency a totally different smell that makes sense and actually you know the farmer's dog is made in a usda kitchen yeah, which, which is cool. I didn't know. I didn't know or understand that before we started working with them. Yeah. So like it really is human grade and because no other dog foods aren't made that way. So that's really it makes sense to me. I wish my kids were still more inclined to feed the dog, but I think it has less to do with the quality <laughs> of the food. I only mention it as a fringe benefit. I'm jealous. <laughs> because we talk about being at capacity sometimes. And so like it's nice. Miles does a much shorter walk than Daisy does. And now Ella can take Miles on his little short walk because he's just easier and we trust her with him. And then that so then that's that's been really nice. We're like, I don't have to take both dogs every day or I don't have to take them both at the same time. I know that Ella can step up and help. And Emmett's very into feeding the dogs and also like making sure they have water. He'll be like, oh, do we check the dog's water bowl before we leave? <laughs> I'm going to run back in. And I'm like, OK, bro, get it. OK, one last question. How many walks a day do the dogs take? It kind of depends on the season and like where we're at. Daisy's hot. Like she's big. She's high energy. Yeah. So if we can do a long walk in the morning, we have like a couple of different walking routes. If we can do the long walk in the morning, which is about an hour, she's good for the day. And we don't take miles on that because it's too much for him. And then um, some days it's just too busy and we have a little short like 20 minute route that we do. And we'll do that in the morning with Daisy. And then miles gets like a separate either right after that walk, which is less than 10 minutes, or he'll get his in the evening. And occasionally when Daisy's like, especially if we're going to like have company, we will do like a double walk day for Daisy where she'll get like her 20 minute walk in the morning and then we'll do a similar short walk in the afternoon. And do they get backyard time? Is your backyard enclosed? Oh, yeah. We have one of those. We don't have an enclosed yard, which is like a very interesting thing. We have a 
hilly forest up behind us and a forest in the front of us. So we have an electric fence and they do. They get so much like they pretty much with the exception of recordings. They can be outside and hang out. One of Daisy's most favorite things. (laughs) This is so humanizing. My dog is like after a walk, she likes to come in. She likes to lap up a lot of water and she likes to get a treat. And then she likes to go back out through the screen and door, which she can push open with her nose. And she likes to sunbathe on the sofa. That is so cute. And she literally will just lay there and like even if like she she has a tendency to like hear squirrels or whatever. Like during that time, it's like her sunbathing siesta time. She's not getting up. She's not worrying about people walking by that she wants to bark at. Ziggy likes to sunbathe, too. But Ziggy gets four walks a day, including an hour long walk. But you guys also have a small backyard yeah, in the Brooklyn. Very house. small. What about when you're upstate? Does he zero walks? We have a huge fenced in backyard that he just like whenever he wants. And he just recently learned how to let himself back in with the doorknob. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> so he scratches to be let out. And we like there's usually someone close enough by to let him out. And then he'll like let himself back in. And then the door is wide open and all the bugs come in. So it's super cool. Great. Gotta love them. We love them so much. <laughs> um, can we start a thread in the community of everyone's dogs? Always. And cats. I kind and of geckos. I kind of want pictures too. Is and that that's too what I'm much talking to ask? about? Oh, you are? Okay. I want a photo thread. I do I, too. The way I'm obsessed with dogs is unhealthy and I don't care. <laughs> I do not care. So hey, can we take it to our dinner? I just feed you listeners community and get a start a thread started tell us about your feeding routine for your family pets and bonus points if you also share a photo you can join us for free at didn't i just feed you.com backslash community or if you'd like some bonus episodes and other goodies join our supporting community you can also follow us on instagram where we're at didn't i just feed you a huge thank you to our producer samantha gatsik and also to the farmer's dog whose support of didn't i just feed you made it possible to bring you today's episode free of ad breaks and don't forget you can get 50 percent off your first box at the farmersdog.com backslash d-i-j-f-y short for didn't i just feed you i'm stacy and i'm megan stay sane and well fed until next time Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.